Good morning. Welcome to First Word. It's good to see you this morning. This week we're going to pick up with the second part of our series entitled His Way Over My Way. Um, Just before we get started, how many of you are ready for the snow? How many of you are dreading the snow? Dread, okay, okay. Yeah, some dreaders. Anybody excited to see the white stuff flying around? I got, I got, yes, I got a couple back there. Okay, so just so you know, I know that that's weighing on everybody's mind before I even start teaching this morning, okay? I know everybody's either dreaming of a winter wonderland or dreading a winter wonderland, but either way, we're, looks like we're going to get it, so. But I do thank you for making time out to be here this morning. Um, and we're going to dive into this this morning. There are three areas in our lives that we have been looking at in this study over stewardship, and that is our time, talent, and treasure. Those are the three areas that we're looking at in this series, His Way Over My Way. As it's said many times um, from this pulpit, I want to do things God's way, not my way. And so when it comes to stewardship and with my time, my talent, and my treasure, I want to do it God's way. How many of you know if you do it God's way, you're always going to be blessed? God will honor that. And so I want to do what's right and pleasing to God. Now, last week we kicked off this series talking about time and being a steward of our time. We talked about how there are areas in our lives that we need to make sure that, that, that we devote our time to and we allow time for. And that's number one was our relationship with God. Second thing we talked about was our spouse and our family was the third. And then finally others. And that others encompass the church and those that are in my community. This, week, this morning, rather, we're going to pick up with the subject of talent and how to be a good steward of our talent. I don't care who you are, all of us in this room this morning have been given certain talents and abilities by God. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks... Um, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. And so that in all things, God may be praised through Christ Jesus. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Notice that Peter is saying that when you serve others. He's talking about using the things that God has given you to minister to others. And I want to submit to you today that one of the greatest tools that you have is using your talents and your abilities to minister to lives. Well, I don't have a lot to offer. Well, what are your strengths? Well, I can't do much except for mow the yard. You know what? I'm sure you can find someone that's in need that you could mow their yard for them. Blake mows yards in diagonal patterns. He makes it look good. When I mow, 
It's about cutting the grass and strolling it in an even manner across the yard. Sometimes the blower gets turned to the inside and it just kind of culminates in the center. And then I have to raise the deck and spread it everywhere. That would drive Blake Loy absolutely insane. I have to be very careful when I mow the churchyard that I point the blower in the right direction. <laughs> that's why, that's right. That's why my partner stayed. That's why I mow the back of the church. <laughs> I can get the job done, but as far as crafting it, that's not really my strong suit. My strong suit is I want to get the grass cut so the yard looks presentable. But he has a knack and a talent for something that he wants to make look perfect. Some of you are fantastic cooks. You know how to put a meal together. Others, you can't boil water and make a scrambled egg. Why is that? Well, it's just not your gifting. It's not something, it's not your talent. It's not your skill. But you may be a carpenter. I'm a very poor carpenter, and I'm an even worse painter. You're probably looking and thinking, well, what can you do? Not a whole lot of much of anything, okay? No, there are certain areas that I am gifted in. I can go in and work on a fiber network. I can set up panels. I can make them look neat. Things that, that that's, that's my thing. I can cook a little bit. I have different things, different talents. But we can use all of our talents to minister. So before we, get, before we dive off too far in, in, deep into this, I want to point out there's some differences. For some of you that are sitting here looking at me thinking, what are you talking about? There's gifts, and then there's your talents. Okay? Paul, in writing to the church, said there are certain gifts, gifts of faith, gifts of healing, Gifts of interpretation of tongues, those things that God has gifted to the church. That's not your talent. Talent and abilities are what God has put in me that make up who I am. If you're thinking a spiritual gift is your talent, you're missing it because you don't produce healing and you don't produce uh, interpretations of tongues. You don't do those things. That's a gift that God puts and bestows on an individual. I'm talking about using your everyday abilities to minister. I look across this congregation and I see people who have different walks of life. I'm thankful for, for, for Dwayne, our, 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 our resource officer at the school. He has a skill set that I don't have. I'm not patient. God gave me six kids to make me patient, but I hadn't got there yet. He's patient. There are different areas that we, we, the different things that we have. And as we learn how to plug those areas in and give those to God, God begins to minister throughout the body to our city. Does that make sense? Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, tells the parable of talents. And it says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called all of his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto the one he gave five talents, to another two, 
to another one, to every man according to his several, what does that say? Ability. And straightway took his journey. Now, before you think I'm misinterpreting a scripture and burning something, blowing something up, I know that the talent right there he's talking about is money. But we're going to pull a principle from that and apply it to our lives. Remember, you're called to be a steward of your time, your money, and your talent. And so we're going to plug in and we're going to pull some things from this. Notice that he said, for the kingdom of heaven is as this man who bestowed upon another certain talents, certain finances, certain gift, certain abilities, certain skills. And then he took his leave. And the scripture says that to the man that was given five talents, he went out and, and doubled what he had and he brought five more. And so he's standing there with ten talents. He doubled what he had been given. The man who had been given two talents went and he doubled what he had. But I want you to notice what it says about the third man. It says that the man that had one talent, that he took it, and he hid it in the earth. He took what he had been given and or was given and he hid it in the earth. He did nothing with the talent that he had been given. And the Bible says that there came a day when the Lord came back and these men were to present what they had done with what they had been given. The one with ten stands before the Lord and he presents the, the five that he had, rather, and the five that he had gained from it. And the Lord looks at him and he says, well done. The man who had just been given two talents came and stood before the Lord and, and, and what he had been given was less than his brother over here, but he had still took what he had been placed with. And he said, I have increased what you have given me. And the Lord looked at him and he didn't say, well, man, why, are you, why do you not have ten? Like, bro over here. How, you couldn't have got six out of that? What the Lord wanted to see was what did you do with what I've given you? And when he stood there and he presented the two extra talents that he, had, that he had acquired, the Lord said, well done, the Lord of that servant. And, and finally, when he gets to the man who had just been given the one talent, that man looks at the, the master and he says, you know, Lord, I, I know that you are a hard man. You reap where you hadn't sown, and you gather where you've not strong. And notice this, and I was afraid. And I went and I hid what I had in the earth, what I'd been given. I know I'm paraphrasing here a little bit. Now, here, take what is yours. And the Bible says the Lord of that man was wroth. 
Well, why? He didn't lose anything. He still gave him exactly what had been measured out to him. But the Bible says that the Lord was wroth with this man. He wasn't just mad. You see, in the South, we don't just call it mad. You're fighting mad. That's, that's, that's Southern terminology for wrath, okay? He was ready to bite nails and throw elbows. He was wroth. Why would you be wroth? Because you took what you had been given and you hid it and you never did anything with it. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14 says this, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bushel. Instead, they put it on, put it on its stands and give it light. And it gives, rather, it gives light to everyone in the house. So let your light shine before men. So that they can see your good works and glorify who? Your Father. In that parable, the Lord was wroth because the man took what he had been given and he hid it. He buried it in the earth. The earth is symbolic of the world we live in. He got busy living life, if you'll let me put it this way, and he buried his God-given talents and he lived for other things other than what had been placed in him. Ladies and gentlemen, we are called to be the church of the living God. And when God redeems you and he puts his spirit inside of you and he makes you a new creature, he doesn't intend for you to sit on that and to bury it, but there are certain abilities and talents that you possess that God wants to use and he wants to, to you to use your, your gift, your, your talent rather may be far above mine. You may be able to mow the grass perfect. And God says, we need a building and grounds man, Whoa, yard man for the church. It looks beautiful for the whole community. You may have the ability to put paint in a straight line. And God uses your gifting so that it opens a door for him to minister to a life. You may be blessed financially and, 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 and you have the means to invest that into your community and to help. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our mission field. We give to everything else and I believe that we should. But just as fervently as we give to, to move the mission and just as fervently as we give to North American missions, and I believe in all of those things, we should be investing ourselves in our city. I'm not talking about your pocketbook. I'm talking about your talent this morning. How can you invest your God-given abilities in your city and minister to others.
Notice what this man who only possessed one talent said. He said, I was afraid. Fear has killed more ministries that God's wanted to put in people than hell has ever thought about. Well, I want to please God. I want to do something for the kingdom of God. I want to invest myself. Then you're going to have to face your fear. Well, I don't know if they're going to accept me. I don't know if they're going to take what I'm, what I'm bringing to the table. That's, that's not your concern. God's going to open the door. Remember, he gave you the ability and the talent and put it inside of you. It's up to you to manage what he's given you. I'm jealous of pastor. Everybody knows him. Everybody loves him. You see him around town, everybody's like, oh, yeah. He's got that personality. I am an introvert by nature. It's hard for me to just... Can I be transparent with you, though? You know what my ministry and my calling is? I'm going to cover that man. I'm going to protect him. I'm going to make sure. That's, 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 what, that's, that's my expertise. Okay? I'm not saying I'm good at it, but I believe that's what God has put on me. Because I'll smoke ribs and bring him, have him come over and he can just... He can relax, and he can, and then he goes out, and he's, and everybody loves him, and you know, and he brings them, and they they come into church, and they're sitting in, and they're involved in. What are you doing? I'm going to give what I have. That's what I'm talking about. Just managing your talent, okay? There is something that you possess that you can plug into somebody either that's involved in ministry in this church and come alongside them or reach out to a brand new person and begin to do something for them that points them in the direction of the king. I'm going to give you an example. Somebody who's not afraid to step out and go mow the neighbor's yard just to help them out. And when they, when they come to you and they thank you for all that and they begin to, you begin to forge and build a friendship, all of, all of a sudden they begin to see something different about your life. No, it wasn't earth shattering. It wasn't camp meeting general conference type ministry. But it was ministry. See, many, 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 many times we, 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 we have our own idea of, of what revival looks like and what harvest looks like and, and what reaching our world looks like. But I may not have been given ten talents. I've got to use what God's given me. And he says there's stuff that's just as valuable in what I've placed in you as I've placed in this one over here but the servant said I was afraid and when I became afraid I took what I had been given and I simply hid it and now I'm going to give you back just what you gave me 
Lord, I wanted to be saved. I wanted to be buried in your name. I wanted to be born again, and you did that for me. And you do know one day we're going to stand before him in judgment. Lord, here's what I have. And he's going, no. I don't have a lot to offer. (laughs) You should see my life. It's a train wreck. And God says, you know what? I saved you because you possess something that somebody that, that may have been raised in the church all their life doesn't possess. You have life lessons and experience and things that you've gone through that you can look to somebody else that's bound and addicted and feels hopeless and sees no way out, and you can say, hey, if he did it for me, he can do it for you. I'm just going to be real for a minute. I want to talk to you just... You don't know my life. You don't know how I've messed up. There are people out there that are addicted, that are wrapped in depression because they made a choice when they were a teenager to end a life, to abort a baby, and they live with the guilt and the shame of that, and they don't know how to handle that. There are people that struggle with with alcoholism, and they don't know how to they, they, they don't know how to cope with, with life. It's, they, they want to do better, and they want to overcome the, the struggles and the depression. You know, There are people who have messed up and, and, and fallen in their marriage and lost their marriage and their kids, and they're trying to figure out how to manage life. And we have people who sit on pews that, that, are, that are coming to church, and you, you, may, you may not have this all figured out yet, but... You're here. You're in a safe place. And there are other people that are out there that aren't in a safe place yet. I can stand here in my, 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 my slacks, my shirt, my tie, and I look like I have it all together. And, 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 and the, the fact of the matter is, is I've been raised in the church. I, I don't know what it's like to experience some of the things, if I'm being blatantly honest, that, that some of you have walked in. But that does not lessen you, and it doesn't lessen me. You have been you have through life been, been bestowed with certain things that you can walk in and speak to that I may not be able to relate to that individual. Don't be afraid to step out. Well, how'd you get on that? You're talking about talent. Now you're talking about things that, that we've gone through. Listen to me. Somebody that knows how to mow, and I'm, I keep going back to yard work. I don't know why. It's fixing the snow. Somebody that knows how to use a snow shovel. How about that? Who knows what it's like to be bound and addicted is fixing to get a very good opportunity to walk up to somebody's yard, shovel their driveway off, or shovel their, their sidewalk off, and when they see that and it opens the door to a conversation, you're going to be able to step in and say, hey, I can relate to you. And you begin to share. What does Revelation say? We're made overcomers by two things. What's that? And what? The blood of the Lamb. You're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. I just, 
I can't be too scared to share what I know. I'm going to mess with your, uh, I'm, I'm going to pull something this morning. I want, to, I want to look at something this morning, and I'm going to clarify what I'm about to say. When we look at the life of Cain and Abel, when we look at it in Genesis, the Word says that when the process of time took place, that Cain and Abel went out to their areas of trade. Cain was a farmer. Abel was a herdsman. And they bring an offering. Now, we're talking about your talents. I know symbolically throughout Scripture that a lamb or the shedding of blood represented atonement. But I want to I come at this from a different angle this morning. Can I do that and not mess, not mess up where you, your core found? I still believe that it takes blood, okay? But when I read something, when I was reading and studying over this, this scripture hit me so hard. It said that Abel went and he gathered of the firstlings. He didn't go gather something that was without spot or blemish that was a male. He went and gathered in the process of time. He becomes a man. He has his own herds, his own flock. He brings of his substance. Cain does the same thing. Cain's not a herdsman. He's a farmer. It's his trade. That's his talent. He's got a talent for growing things. He's got a talent for putting stuff in the ground, and it grows, and, and it produces. While Abel has a tendency and a, and a, and a trade and a, and a unique talent for managing a flock, and he knows what the sheep need, and he knows when this one's about to, about to deliver, that, that, that ewe's about to fold, he knows the signs to look for, and he produces a healthy flock. They have skills. They're totally different. <clears throat> and they both bring of what they have. They both bring of, of their substance, and they offer it. And God rejects one, that being Cain's offering, and he accepts Abel's sacrifice. Now, when I looked at this, it, it, it struck me a little bit. It says, it says, but unto Cain and to his offering he had no respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt not thou be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. He's addressing Cain's attitude. He said, Cain... What you brought wasn't brought in the right manner. Cain was mad, and I believe in part of that, it was because he brought stuff that he had created, and he knew what he could do, and he laid it out there, and God refused it, and it made him mad. We're talking about using your talents and your abilities. And you have to be careful when you're... Remember I told you there's a difference between gifts 
and talents. When your talent is not put under subjection, if you're not a good steward of your talent, it becomes your flesh and not submission, and God can't bless it or accept it. You can make an idol out of anything. If we show up to the church, and Brother Blake has mowed angels in the grass out there, sculpted the bushes where it looks like, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, and we can't have, you know, in his mind, we can't have church if we don't have the angel just perfect in the yard, and we, you know, and, and the, the, the Ark of the Covenant can't grow out too. We got to clip that back because we can't have church without that. Your talent is in the wrong place because it becomes about look at my ability and look at what I'm gifted in and look at what I'm talented in and look at the skill set that I have. And I believe that was in part some of what Cain was dealing with. Because Cain goes on and he gets mad at his brother. He's wroth. He's ready to bite nails and throw elbows. And that's exactly what he does. The Bible says a few days later he's walking in the field with Abel and he raises up and he kills him. I mean, he killed that rascal graveyard dead. And that's pretty dead. And when the Lord finds him, the Lord says, Cain, what did you do? Where's your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, his blood's crying to me. You did wrong. And now we're going to have to make amends for that. I'm going to do something, Cain. From now on, the ground is cursed to you. And Cain says, my punishment's more than I can bear. What happened? The Lord reached in and he took the thing that Cain loved above everything else. If you're here and your talent is such that you can't have church unless I'm here, unless I'm singing. It's not a move of God unless I'm the first one to move to the altar. We can't minister to the community unless it's my gumbo that's handed out because I know how to make gumbo. And these other people, they don't know how to make gumbo. You know, it's got it's to be mine. You're building an idol steeped in self. We talk about having stewardship of your time. You've got to have stewardship and control of your talent and your abilities. Because this is not about what I can do. This is about how can I reach them? How can I use what you've given me to reach somebody? Does that make sense? Sister Sheila, you can make some awesome cakes. I can't. Who knows, God may open the door for you to deliver a cake to somebody and it starts a whole conversation. And they're watching online, so you're probably fixing to get... If you get a massive amount of friends request, there you go. I helped you out this morning. That managing your talent so that it's not just about me, but it's about others. 
What good is your talent if you keep it to yourself? Hey, you may you 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 may have some pretty cool things and abilities and things that you're able to do, but is it profitable to him? And at the end of it all, I'm going to stand before him and I'm going to have to give an account of what I did with my time, my talent, and my treasure. Well, I, I don't, I don't, I, it's just, it's about getting saved and living for God. It's about relationship. If you're married and it's all about, you don't have time to flirt with your spouse, but you have time to flirt and step around here and you maybe, maybe you know, and invest your time over here, you're walking in a dangerous realm. Now, if your physical spouse won't put up with that, what makes you think that we can build a relationship with God where we come to Him and we start serving Him and we start living for Him and then we, we, we just walk away and we're involved in all this over here and we give our time to it and we give our talent to it and we give our money to it, but we don't do anything to build this relationship. Some of you, if your spouse did that, you'd look at them pretty quick and say, adios, sucker, I'm gone. I'm out. I don't know. I, I just wanted to do that. I don't even know if that's, if that's something inappropriate. I'm sorry. God, forgive me. But you'd be like, hey, I'm gone. This is it. It's over with. Why? Because you're not investing in me. You're not, you're not doing anything to further this relationship. Now, if we can take that attitude in the physical, don't think we're not going to stand before God one day and have to give account of how, we, of how we handled our relationship. See, we come to him and we say, God, I want a fresh start. I've done bad things. I'm involved in things that I don't need to be. And I need, I need you to forgive me. Will you redeem me? Will you save me? And he says, absolutely. I'll redeem you. I'll save you. And I'm going to make you part of my church. And, and, and then you become my hands and my feet. And you see, I'm a spirit. I need a body. Because Calvary was about redeeming you and me from, from eternity of being lost. But while he was in that body, he could touch those that were hurting he could minister to those that were in need. But redemption costs something. So it costs that perfect body so that the church could be redeemed. And now you and I, filled with his spirit, become his hands and his feet to the world. He invested himself in the world that he walked. And we say, God, save me. I need you. And he says, okay, because I need you. I need you to take your talent and your abilities and whatever else I've given you, and I need you to go and invest yourself into others so that I can bring them the same thing that I brought you. 
That's why, I have to, that's why I have to be mindful of where I spend my time and how I spend my time and how I spend and invest my talent and, and, and all of those things. Yes, it's, it's about keeping me right, but it's also about others. Cain was self-serving. Cain was all about himself. And it cost him the things that he loved the most. I love certain things, certain activities, and I'm not talking ill of activities. I think you ought to have a life. You need time to recharge your batteries. You need time to invest, whether it's bass fishing or hunting or shopping. But if those things tie up all my time to the point that I can't reach out and walk across the street and invest in somebody that's in my neighborhood, then I'm creating idols instead of building relationship. And above all things, when this is all said and done, I want it to be said that he was a good steward of his time. He built relationship with God. He made time for his spouse. He made time for his family. He invested in others. He made time. I want it to be said of me that he used his talents and his abilities for God. Yes, he was one of the best deer hunters in the state of Arkansas, one of the best duck hunters in the state of Arkansas. I'm joking. But he invested himself in others. That's what I want it to be said of me. That he invested himself. That he used what he had been given to be a force that God could use on the earth. I want it to be said that his treasure was invested the way it should have been invested. He was a good steward. I promise you, and I've got to hurry, I've got two minutes. But if you'll make time for God, you'll give your talent to God. And you'll be a steward and give of your treasure to God. He'll give you the desires of your heart. The Lord that gave those men the talents, it says that this is likened to the kingdom of heaven. Stuff was given. Stuff was required. I want to live this life well. And God, oh, you say, oh God, there's certain things I want. My Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. What are you talking about? I'm talking about when you get this right everything else begins to fall into perspective and into place. You show me people that live life to the fullest, that live godly lives to the fullest, that are happy in their homes, their marriage, their families, things that are important. And you, you, you start looking at their life, and you're going to see somebody that's well-rounded, well-balanced in how they live and how they manage their spiritual house. Stand with me this morning.
Lord, I love you. I thank you for allowing us to be here today. I'm asking God that your word would settle into our hearts and settle into our minds. I want to be, Lord, a good steward of everything in my life, from my time to my talent to my treasure. God, I ask that you'd go with us today and keep us, I ask in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. We're going to take a quick 10-minute break. Thank you so much for being in First Word. Why don't you turn around, smile at somebody, and greet them, and welcome them this morning.